Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Open your Bibles, please, to uh, the book of Revelation, starting in uh, chapter 2. With verse starting in verse 12. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write These things says he who has the sharp two edged sword. I know your works, and where you dwell. Where Satan's, throne, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our gracious Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be together and to, and to sing praises to your name and then to open your word together, Father, and to know how precious that is in your sight. Father, open our hearts and open our minds and lead us in a direction that only you could lead. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. You may be seated, but please, you want to leave your Bibles open. Um. As we study the, the seven churches of, of Revelation, we, we come to um, the church of Pergamos, or Pergamum, um, whichever, it's the same thing. Uh, it's the most, and there's going to be some, some history lessons in here today too, but today, uh, this, this city, the city of Pergamos, is the northernmost city um, in, out of the seven. Um, that that was wow. Am I okay here? Okay. No, we're not. Raising up a little bit. There you go. You got me. All right. It is the northernest, northernest, northern. That is, you know, it's farther north. Okay. <laughs> um, city, and and uh, in in Asia, and it is it is what is um, known today as and as was the other cities that we've covered. Um, Smyrna and Ephesus. Um, they're in Turkey. They're in Turkey today. What would be considered 
um, Turkey. Um, and this, this particular city was uh, the Asian capital um, as time had gone on. This was the Asian capital um, for the Greeks. And then after the Greeks came the Romans. And then for 400 years, Pergamos was the Asian capital for, um, for the Romans. What is it known for? It was a beautiful city. And the Romans or the Greeks, neither one would, would consider um, an area to be their capital city of that area and, and to have it look junky. It's not junky. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, it, it was known um, for its library. It had the most gorgeous library that was only second to the library in Alexandria. Okay? It had uh, over 200,000 volumes. And remember, it's, it's scroll. Um, it's, not, it's not book form. It was scroll form. So it had over 200,000 volumes um, within it. Um, and in the reading room was, was a great big statue of Athena, the, the goddess Athena. Um, going back in, in history for this, um, I know that when we went through this in, um, in Bible study, I had said that Mark Antony had, as a wedding gift to Cleopatra, had given uh, the, the library in Pergamos to Cleopatra. That was his wedding gift to her. Um, later I found out that was sort of right, but, but not quite. Um, what he did is he took all of the volumes, the 200,000 volumes out of the library, gave those to Cleopatra, and then she put them down in the, in the library that was in, in uh, Alexandria. And they stripped it clean. But that was, that was his wedding gift. But that is what... That is what the what Pergamus was was known for um, was this beautiful library, and and Jesus said, "I know your works, and where you dwell, and and where you dwell is where Satan's throne is at." He said that in the scripture that I read, "I know, I know your works." You know, and again in Pergamos, as it was in Ephesus and and Smyrna, the Lord sees your works. He sees them. And and the Lord here at at Trinity, the Lord sees our works. He sees what we're doing. He knows the reasons behind what we're doing. He sees our hearts, but he sees what what, what we're all about. The 7,000 hours, guys, um, the Lord knows about that. And incidentally, you're, you're over. You're over. You're at 7,200, 7, I believe, am I not? Oh, my gosh, I can't. 8,000? Oh, you're better than I thought. Hey, I tell you. <clears throat> yeah, come on. Seven thousand, eight thousand hours of community service 
The things that you've done to touch hearts, you did that. Got it? You still got a month to go. You're not off the hook. It's, it's still, it still has to be done. We got the angel tree that's out there. Um, pick, a, pick a name on the way out the door, guys, and, and do something for, for those folks. The good thing about the angel tree, last year we had 70-some names that were on it. This year we've, we've only got 30, 30, 35, somewhere in that area. We got half. Um, and, and the good thing about that, that means that, that there's the people that are in the nursing home, more of them have families who are, are helping them and taking care of them. And, and so the only gifts that they receive are not going to be, you know, um, from us or whatever, but they come from their family. And so they're not neat. The people in, on that tree back there don't have a family. Or if they do, they don't care. Okay? And yeah, that does happen. People in nursing homes with families who don't care. And so we're that family. We're the ones that step up. We got the shoe boxes. You know, do you realize what a difference we can make? Do you realize what a difference we are making? Guys, I don't know if you've seen, you know, when we show the videos on these things. Let's, let's put this in, in, let's make this real here. We're going to send out between two and 300 boxes this year. That's us. That's us. There are churches throughout uh, the country that are doing this too. And yet, only one kid in his lifetime receives a box. Samaritan's Purse makes sure of that. They make sure. So if that gives you any indication how many kids are out there that have never received anything and have never received the word of God, now you, now you can get a, get a grasp on, on how big this really is. This isn't just, think of your own kids. Think of yourselves. When you see a, a child wake up on, on, on Christmas morning and they go out and, and, and you put a gift in their hands and you watch their eyes light up and, and you know, your, your children have, have gotten gifts over the years and, and it's not really new to them and then you take a child who has never received anything and you drop one of these boxes into his hand, into her hand and they open it up, and the first thing they see is Jesus Christ. There's a message in there from Je- you know, that, that, that leads them to Jesus. They do Bible studies with these kids. Uh, folks, um, what, what happens with what you do? You know, whether it is the angel tree, and, and I'll tell you something else about the angel tree, and, and when you bring in the gifts for those people... Don't be afraid to throw a, a, an encouraging card or a letter in there or, or something, that, a testimony of yourself that has to do with Jesus Christ. You know, don't just give them the, the gift. Give them life. Give them, give them the, 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 the pathway to, to a, an eternal life with Jesus Christ, you know? But those are the opportunities that we have. And, and if you think that we're incognito, we're not. We're not. 
Because Jesus Christ sees it all. And he sees the hearts. And he knows. You know, you ever want to think about how powerful God is? He knows every child that's going to get one of these. Every one of them. And, and they're all special to him. Those are the differences that we make. Next week, we're going to dedicate these before we send them out. And, and we're, we're going to pray over them. And, and when you bring your gifts in for, the, for, the, um, for Westwood, <coughs> excuse me, before you bring those gifts in, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for that gift. Pray for the person that's going to, going to see it. Don't be afraid, folks, to take that extra step. You know, a, a step of, of, you know, praying for them, bringing a, you know, putting a card in, 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 your, in your gift, um, just maybe a favorite Christmas or a, your favorite uh, scripture verse. Give them all. That, that's, that's you. But those are the differences that we can make. And it really is a difference. It really does make a difference. You know, in, in verse 13, Jesus says, where you are is where Satan is, where Satan's throne is. He's telling this to the church of Pergamos. I'm sorry, I kind of got off the track there. But he, he's, in, in verse 13, he says, where you are, where you're at, that's where Satan's throne is at. You know, and, and the, uh, the church in Pergamos knew persecution. Guys, we, we don't... It, it, the, the beauty of the city, it, it didn't hide the darkness that was Satan. You know, in the beauty of it, you think, well, no, everything is great in that city. No, it's not. Satan, Satan had a throne there. And, and, it was, and it was dark. And we say that... You know, we don't know persecution in this country. We, we really don't know what, it, what it's like. We hear of things. <clears throat> we know the persecution of Christians um, in other countries. We hear those things. But it's not something that, that, we, that we put up with here. I, I remember when my brother took a missionary trip to Belize. No, not, not where the, the ships come into the port. Out into Belize. And, and, and the children that were there, that's why they were, they were there for their parents. They were there for the children. They had church for them. <coughs> and, and the differences that were made in, in their lives. Those people would walk miles, miles to get to church, to be able to sit and, and to listen to the word of God and to be able to sing and, and, you know, it's because, it was because of, of, of what their area was like. They were poor. And they found value, they found value in, in the word of God. They, they found a future. Guys, do you know what their future is on this earth? Somewhere right around there. Zero. But do you know what their future was in eternity? You see? And they saw value. And they'd walk for miles to be able to come to church. Most churches in America, if the air conditioning isn't working, we go, let me know when it's fixed. I'll be there. You know? But it's because of where we've been brought up. 
And, and without the persecution, sometimes we don't put any value. And if you want to look at, at, at the culture of, of the United States today, a lot of people find absolutely no value in church. What good is that going to do me? How is that going to help my family? How is this going to work? It, it doesn't do anything for me. And when you say this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, they go, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But yes, it was. But this is what is being taught today. See, it, does, it, it, makes, it makes a difference. We don't know the persecution, but folks, I had to tell you this, I think you will in your lifetime. I think you're going to find persecution in this country. The worst part is you'll probably vote it in. You probably will. And it won't be called persecution. It'll be called political correctness or something. But you see, it it works its way in no matter where you live. No matter where you live. But back to Pergamos and back to Satan's throne. See, Pergamos was also known as the temple keepers. The temple keepers. Um, They had three different temples there. One of the temples was to worship a Roman emperor. Um, There was a temple to worship the goddess Athena. And then there was the great altar of Zeus. That was the third one. And and Jesus referred to one of these as Satan's throne. But here's what what I think, and I, I believe what in things that I've read about this, and I do believe that Satan's throne was, was the altar of Zeus. Um, go back to um, chapter, verse 13. <clears throat> Actually, 13b. Um, where it says, my... Uh, bu- 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 somewhere in here. It says, I'll start in the middle. My name, and you did not deny my name, my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Where this, this um, uh, Antipas was, was actually martyred. Um, Antipas was, was um, a servant, God's servant in, in Pergamos. And he was actually ordained by the Apostle John. And he was doing a great job in ministry. He was ministering to, to the faithful. He was uh, casting out demons. Um, and, and in the casting out of demons, he made a lot of enemies. And so they, they made um, a complaint against Antipas. And the Roman government said, all right, as, as uh, your punishment then for casting out demons and generally making enemies is we want you to do a sacrifice of wine and incense to the emperor of Rome. That's what we want you to do. Antipas said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so they sentenced him to death. Now, here's how they did it. The throne of, 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 or the throne of Zeus that we call, the, the, that I believe that Jesus was calling the, the throne of Satan, above it, was a copper bull, a bull, horns, bull, hollow. And it hung above the altar of Zeus. And when they wanted to, uh, 
When they wanted to kill someone, when they wanted to sacrifice someone, they would take them, they would tie them, they would put them inside that bull, and they would take their head and they would cram their head up into the bull's head. And then they would set a fire underneath it. And as the subject inside the bull started to cook, then he started to scream... The pipes and all that that were set up in the bull's head made it sound like the bull was making all the noise. Sweet, sweet. What an imagination. But that's how they used to do it. And, And as, now you maybe you can understand why Jesus looked at, at the, the, the altar of Zeus and said that's the throne of, of Satan. But you know, through it all, The church in Pergamos held strong. They stayed strong. They held fast, as as the scripture says, and they did not deny the Lord's name. They watched their leader be cooked inside this bull, but they didn't fold. They stayed strong. They persevered. And to be able to persevere, guys, in the face of persecution is something that I know that the Lord sees and that he honors, that, that we don't fold, that we don't, that we don't cave when it comes down to, to our faith. And so, you know, when you think about what the church went through and the persecution that they went through, and yet, and yet, in this church, and in the, the scripture reading that I have today, Jesus still said, hey, I got this against you. I got this against you. And, and you would sit there and you would say, well, wait a minute. How, how could you have something against this church after all that they've been through? And they didn't fold and you still got something against them. Look at verses 14 and 15 where it says, but I have these few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which, which thing I hate. Those two verses, it's what he's got against them. Now, guys, in, in my, my Bible, the heading... For the church of Pergamos says they're a compromising church. And that is what Jesus has a problem with. There are those who stood up to the persecution and did not lose their faith. But yet what turned Jesus off about the church of Pergamos was that they were a compromising church. You see, rather than than standing or, or taking a stand against the, the, the doctrine of Balaam or the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, they allowed it to come into the church. They allowed it to come in. Why did they do that? How could they do that? In other words, they allowed another doctrine other than the doctrine of Jesus Christ to come into the church, and the church was fine with it. They were fine with it. Why? Why did they do that? They wanted unity, they wanted peace, and they wanted strength in numbers. That's what they wanted. 
you've heard of the Roman Emperor Constantine, have you not? Everybody's heard of Constantine. He legalized Christianity in, in 313 A.D., and then after 10 or 12 years, he became a nominal Christian. Now, I'm, actually, what I'm repeating is what was written. After 10 or 12 years, he became a nominal Christian. Guys, do you know what a nominal Christian is? That's sort of like being sort of pregnant. You either are or you're not, one or the other. A nominal Christian is not a Christian. A nominal Christian is one who's got it here and ain't got it here. Okay? But he had legalized Christianity and then he sat back and he listened to it. Yeah, I, I can go along with some of that. I can go along with some of that. You see, Constantine pursued a policy of blending. Oh, here we go. He has a policy of blending paganism and Christianity to unite the diverse elements within the empire and to strengthen it. Unity. That way he could take those who were practicing paganism and those who were practicing Christianity and we could put them all together and we could say, hey, it's all okay. Why? Because we wanted unity. And, and he knew that... that where they were, the Roman Empire, would be strengthened if he could get everybody to worship just about the same thing. And they could all be together. Weren't they called that? Was a politico-ecclesiastical institution. How about that for a name for a church? A politico-ecclesiastical institution. In other words, let's take the politics, let's take the religion, let's take the, the Christianity, the paganism, the politics, let's put it all together and we can all be happy together. We can all be happy. Wow. And they lost their spirituality, guys. Don't expect the Lord to bless something like that. Don't expect it. It's not going to happen. But you see, folks, the reason I'm... You've, you've all heard this before. Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Is that not true? And you've seen it. You've seen it today. You've seen that, that, that schools do not teach the history. The history. And, and, and when we're not taught the history, <clears throat> we're doomed to repeat it. And I can tell you the history of, of where Christianity has been, especially in this case, and have you look at it today and you say, guys... Many churches are doing this today. We're politico-ecclesiastical institutions where we accept all things and we bring all things together here. Because I'll tell you what, unity is more important than the Word of God. And that's exactly what they're saying. You're, you're watching churches do it today. You're watching denominations do it today. They're doing exactly what, what Constantine did back in 300 A.D. You're watching it happen, and you're watching it right before your eyes. Let me read this other scripture to you. It's Romans 1. Flip in your Bibles to Romans 1, 28 to 32. I'll give you a moment to get there. 
Romans 1, 28 to 32. And here we go. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Guys, I just I want to stop there for just a moment. God turned them over to a debased mind. In other words, he went, hey, nothing I'm going to do with you. He's done it in Scripture before. You've read about it before, where he turns those over to, to a debased mind. Gives up on them. Gives up on them. 29. Being filled, this is those that he gave away, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Let's mince words. No, let's not. Those who practice these things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Guys, when, when you see a scripture like that, and it says there are those who are, are doing this, and of those, they, the, the penalty to this is death. Those will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, you're looking at death. But, then it comes back and it says, but, what about those who also approve of those who practice them? Guys, I look at this and, and, and all I can say is, is, I look at the leadership of the churches today. Not only in the local churches who approve of such things, but of the leaders of denominations. It's holding them directly responsible for the direction of the church. And when the direction of the church is giving the approval for those that Scripture says will not inherit the kingdom of God, they're just as guilty. They're just as guilty. Listen to those words. You are seeing this happen on a, on a very large scale. Hold on. You're seeing this on a very large scale in the Catholic Church today. Have no idea where this Pope is leading. But most of it's all okay. Guys, on a very large scale, that's what you're seeing happen today. You know... A church that will stand for nothing, that won't take a stand for anything, will fall for anything. It will fall for anything. Anything that the world throws at them and they'll accept it. If they don't stand in for, the, for the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You see, do you remember... I know I'm old, but I'm not this old, so I didn't hear it personally. But the Gettysburg Address, 
You know, when, when, when Abraham Lincoln said this about the government, that the government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. Do you remember that? I'm not saying that you were there. I didn't say that. But you know those words. And you know, for a government, it's good policy. It is right that a government of the people, by the people, for the people, and that's the way it should be. But as a policy for a church, that doesn't work. The church is not of the people, by the people, for the people. It's not. This church is the church of Jesus Christ. He is the one who paid for it. He went to the cross. He died on the cross. And, and the church was started. Guys, it's his church. This is not our church. Never has been, never will be. But folks, in the times that we're living in, you have to understand something here. That you're going to have to make a stand. You will have to make a stand. And, and the direction of the church today, and, and it's not this one. And I'll fight for that. But the churches today are finding it easier to just go along with whatever is going on in this world today. This, this, that is not the Lord's church. This is his church. And, and when it comes down to making a stand for this church, folks, you, you are going to have to be ready to make that stand. The stand for Jesus Christ. Being silent about it, folks, is not going to work anymore. It will not work. Society today sits back and wonders what good the church is in society today. It is our responsibility to tell them what the good of of the church is in society today. We can't sit silent anymore. We have to be We have to be brave. We have to stand up for Jesus Christ in this community. It has to be done. It has to. The church, without it, will not survive. It will not survive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ in our lives. We thank you that that he went to the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, that that through your grace and our faith in Jesus that we are saved, there is no other way to heaven. There is no other way of salvation. There is one way, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus in our lives. I thank you for the opportunity that you give this church to be able to go out and, and, and and to show that message. Not just tell it, but to show it in in our lives. Father, bless each heart that's here. Give us the conviction to be able to stand up for what is right in a world that is getting continually darker all the time. This is not Satan's throne. I know, I know who reigns here, and it is Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for being our God. And I pray this in your most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. 
For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.